I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. And my favorite person in headphones, Cindy Watts, how are you? Just waiting on the dad joke. Oh my gosh. Should I make you like really wait for it? I don't know. How how much time do we have? (laughs) Okay, ready? I'm ready. Dad joke time. Okay. I had a date last night. It was perfect. Tomorrow, I'll try a grape. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, no. (laughs) If if, if, if the audio sound of an eye roll is what you just did. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I got one more. I got another one. Okay. Uh, my wife said, you need to do more chores around the house. Me. Can we change the subject? My wife. Okay. More chores around the house need to be done by you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I like that one. Uh, see, I redeemed myself just slightly. Just slightly. What is your least favorite chore to do around the house? My least favorite chore? I, um... That's, I hate all chores, but, uh, laundry is my least favorite chore. And, uh, I know some people get a lot of satisfaction because it gives them control and then it allows them to have order because they can fold things in a certain way and put them back and then things are good. And it's just a pain in my butt. Yeah. No, it doesn't have that impact on me. To me, it's like, Oh, look, I took the dirty clothes out of the basket and put them in the machine and now they're clean. And then they're going back in the basket where they will probably stay until I wear them again. So it is just a shuffling of piles. (laughs) There is no order. Absolutely none. Maybe that's why I hate it. Yeah. I I really don't like doing laundry. And at at a certain point, you know, I remember in the in the the Sugarland days that the turnaround time was so quick that I would take my entire bag unpacked off of the bus or the airplane or whatever to the fluff and fold. And I would pay them whatever it took to, to open the bag, wash everything, fold it and put it back in the bag. And I'll just come get it in two days. Oh, that's amazing. They just repacked your suitcase for you. Oh yeah. As long as like, why would I take it out of the suitcase and put it into another bag? That's true. To take to the laundry to then bring it back. And then put it back in my suitcase. So I just skipped a bunch of steps. That's magic. I'm going to do that with this year's ski clothes. Here, fluff and fold. <laughs> Clean these. Put them right back right in back the bag. In the same bag. We'll use them again next year. What's your least favorite chore? Oh, it might be laundry. See? It might See? be. I don't mind taking the trash out. I'll do dishes like it's going out of style. Like during the pandemic, I was dish king. Yeah. I like, I get satisfaction out of wiping the countertops, but I think because it feels like laundry is never done. I think that that's why I don't get any satisfaction out of that Mm. because I have children and I can do laundry for days and there's still more laundry to done to be done. So there's no, there's no finish. Yeah. It just, it's a rolling problem. And I don't mind cleaning it. I really hate putting it away. Do you mow the lawn? I love to mow the yard. Really? It doesn't have the same thing because you know, it just grows back. 
I know, but it takes a longer period of time. <laughs> and also, if you're on the lawnmower, you can't talk on your phone. It's like people can't really call you. You oh, can just I like didn't really think about that. Be in the space. I used to listen to metal music while I mowed the lawn when I was mowing lawns. But now I'm smart enough to have a house that has no lawn. Oh. Well, I have I which have. helps me now now it's just like an extra 30 bucks 40 bucks a week for some guy to come over and like blow the although that makes me really angry when the blowers show up because they put the grass in the wrong place well now that i'm home for two years and not on the road that whatever it is that uh 90 cycle hum 100 whatever it is that 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 sound of that leaf blower motor it goes off and i it it makes me mad like I have, I have gotten up and been like, the neighbor's blowing the lawn. Do they know that it's nine o'clock? Can't anybody sleep past nine around here? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, what happened to me. I became some angry ogre. And then I have to control myself and be like, look, dude, you're lucky to be asleep this long. Like you used to have to get up at six o'clock, drive carpool. You should be grateful. You should be thankful. Huh? Oh Lord. Yeah. No. See, I don't like the blower because they, they always blow the grass in the wrong place. It's like, how hard is it? Don't blow it inside my car. Don't blow it in my driveway. Don't blow it in my bushes. Just put it back in the yard. <laughs> Just blow it back in the yard. It's a thing. Have you, have, you, have you entrusted your children yet to mowing the lawn? Oh, gosh, no. No. No, I mean, Pax is nine and Kansas is... 12. Oh, those are all valuable ages. Yeah. No, they don't think so. <laughs> you know, I, I maintain still that if there was some sort of like video game where you had to mow a lawn, that they would be more interested and they would be better at it. Can then we have them build that into Minecraft? <laughs> you know, or... uh, there is a way in Minecraft to use the hammer to, to like, you have to keep them all the same level. Uh -huh. Or Roblox. I feel like that could be beneficial. Oh, my gosh. Hey, you do programming or you used to. You get on that. Oh, you think I can do that? No, yeah. no, no. It's not the like the bicycle it should be. <laughs> <laughs> the old programming the computers. All right. Are you ready for today's pairing? I'm ready. All right. Today's pairing, two very lovey love songs. Oh, my. Yeah. First one off 52 is the song Unbroken, which I think has within it some of the uh, most effective hooks on the entire album. Uh, you call them something else. You call them earworms. I call them hooks because it makes them feel less invasive. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, the song Forever Now, which I wrote for the ever popular television show Say Yes to the Dress. Very cool. Which if you were just listening to this and didn't know that, you're now having a moment. Yes. Wait, two things you would say to yourself. I want, since I watch it, that must be Christian. Oh my gosh. How did I not know? And two, wait a minute. Does Christian watch say yes to the dress to such a degree that he would write a theme song? Well, do you? No, I, I was paddling literally upstream, getting off the airplane to go to the episode of say yes to the dress. Um, while doing my research and really thought I was going into a, literally like a mom and pop store is what he said <laughs> on my email, 
like, uh, you know, this very small little place where people are evaluating dresses. I had no idea it was the Disneyland of dress shopping. Oh, yeah. With like carousels and moving parts and oh my god if you ever get to see the episode with me on it because that's what i was doing when i found out that i was about to write a theme song um you will laugh i am like the the one guy who knows nothing but at least i raised my hand and said i know nothing about what's happening in this room please tell me everything because i'm curious and curiosity is contagious i watched it it was pretty endearing (laughs) yeah fish out of water All right, so now you know what's coming. Yep. Let's approach our first one here. Well, introduce us to Unbroken. Yep, this song is called Unbroken. I wrote it with um, the incredibly uh, talented Andrew DeRoberts and the um, equally incredibly talented and also lauded Bob DePiro. Oh. And I will never forget Bob when we first started to play this song because... I think Andrew wanted the shuffle, which is um, a, a designation for the the rhythm that you're about to hear, because it's the um, it, it's it's a similar shuffle to um, a couple of Michael Jackson songs. It's a it's a special shuffle that's you know like instead of like don't don't. Pop, suddenly you put the shuffle, the ticket, the ticket, the ticket, the ticket on top of it. And, um, there are very few success, you know, songs that, that, that get written in this shuffle because it's difficult to play. So you have to usually, most people I know, um, are programming it into a drum machine to make it work because it's so, such a challenge. And I was really grateful that we got, um, an actual band to play it on this song and uh jay fly literally played it <laughs> i'm sure a million times with all of the different artists that he plays with including michael jackson you know like it's had to play this beat before and it's not easy but it is infectious so what do you do if you want to play that song live well you just find a way to learn it you must get better you must get better <laughs> that's your challenge you must get better and uh when that happened andrew wanted to do the shuffle be on this and um bob was like you're gonna have to trust me on this i i know i, I feel it i know what i'm doing and he wanted to write a song he, he the title came first and i was like but shouldn't we be aware of using the word unbroken in country music like will the circle be unbroken like isn't that something we need to maybe stay away from like it's trademarked or something uh, well it, I don't know. It's, it's a, I don't know if you know this, but you probably do that. It's upon the writers to self police plagiarism. Mm -hmm. Right. And if for some reason you have a bout of amnesia and you've, you know, you, you, you copied something from someone or you, you stole a a melody or you were overly inspired by this rhythm or whatever, it's on you to go correct it as the creator. And sometimes if you forget that you've done that or you weren't well-versed in it later on, it could be released. And then suddenly, you know, you're paying millions of dollars. Plus you have to give away the future rights to that song to whoever it is you stole it from. Right. 
Right. There are a lot of conversations about this and it happens a lot, a lot more often than you should. So when you're in the writing room, you're doing your best to like police. And then it's a, you, you crowdsource yourself. Like guys, is anybody feeling weird about this? And Bob DePiro has more cuts in this town than anyone else in the town, which is really odd, but completely believable once you meet him and ride with him. Sure. Music just falls out of him. And if he thought this was okay, then I was going to chase it because he probably wrote all the songs that it'd be plagiarizing from, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, okay, man, let's go. And he was like, no, this is like a love song where you keep re-upping the love song. It's like the old rule where I told you, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something then I'm going to tell you that I told you. And then I'm going to remind you that I told you. And those are the three verses. (laughs) All right. I was like, all right, all right. And so I kind of agreed my way through it because it's incredibly repetitive. But this song, I mean, it's like a, a mantra or a trance and it gets stuck in your head. Like if this ever went on the radio, you would never get people to stop singing it because it, it just, it's circular like a ring, like a ring. So here it is unbroken. You and me lost in a moment Underneath the midnight sky Girl, your magic's got me hoping That this spell will be unbroken With the kiss you stop my heartbeat Like a shock of electric light Like a current that just keeps going
down a moment Underneath the midnight sky Girl, your magic's got me hoping It's so fun. And it, it, it makes me angry at my guitar teacher when I was a kid because I, I played trombone in the marching band from the time I was like, I didn't know that. Yeah. From the time I was in like the fifth grade all the way through high school. And the guitar teacher was like, that's just stupid. You're never going to play horn again. Why don't you like stop playing trombone and just focus on guitar? Oh my gosh. And it's like, I could have done that. How fun would that have been? <laughs> It's probably a better trombone player than it was a guitar player. I was a better, yeah. There was no, I was for sure. Did you like playing trombone? I did not like it. You know, I've tried to play one before. I, I, I was having to learn embouchure. Oh, that's a thing. That's a thing, and it's easier on trombone or baritone or tuba because the mouthpiece is bigger than it would be on trumpet. Oh, on a trumpet, which and is I, much and I started learning on a trumpet. Yeah, that would that would be hard. Or French horn. Yeah, I tried to pick that up when I turned thirty. That's fun. I, I never got very far, but I did finally figure out how to make noise with it. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. The other thing that's fun about listening to your songs at you know, we're in your house in your office is your sound is so much better than my sound is at my house. So every time we listen, I hear things that I didn't hear before. It's like, ooh, it's like an Easter egg Oh my in gosh. every song. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the things I love as a producer. You know, I like to reward you if you want to put on headphones, especially now that the headphones are growing bigger again. Yes. They got really small for a long time to where now they can just be little tiny earbuds that just somehow grab your ear by themselves. I don't even know how they do it. And and, and now they're growing back again. Yes. Um, and I, I love a nice closed headphone moment. I know? do too. I am not a fan of the that's going to fall off in the sink, you know, situation. <laughs> You know, it's going to be $300 and I'm going to fall out in the sink. No. Uh, did so. you see what I meant by the shuffle of the song? The Absolutely. Do, 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 do. It's mm-hmm. so fun. And the, this was another experiment of mess, you know, messing with the idea of what is Nashville and what is Atlanta and uh, the dance between the pedal steel guitar and the horns are just going on the whole time. It's literally like two characters dancing with each other. It's so fun. So has has Bob heard this version? I don't think he's heard it. He's going to hear it when the album comes out. Well, I think. I don't even know if Bob listens to his own. I guess he does. I mean, when we wrote this, once Bob left, Andrew turned to me and he said, you know, he has like 1,800 cuts. That's obscene. And I was like, I don't even have 1,800 songs. You know, like... And uh, he's like, well, Christian, you got to remember, you know, he he wrote Blue Clear Sky and he wrote like all these like giant hits. And then he keeps writing hits that are going out today. So um, I'm I, I'm in awe and I love that he took me under his wing and is teaching me because I have a lot to learn. Do you have a lot to learn? Oh, yeah, I have a lot to learn. How many songs do you think you've written at this point? I mean, it's over a thousand. Probably, I don't know, with these musicals, because they're cranking them out. Right. And the dark water stuff. So right now I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I'm back up to a clip of about, I don't know, a hundred a year. But 
I, you got to also remember I've been writing since like 1989 or something. So there's a lot of terrible songs early on that, that get to count <laughs> as a song, but aren't really worth the honesty of actually being a song that you would say belongs in the, the pile. That's hysterical. <laughs> Cause you write them for all sorts of different reasons, you know, or like even what we're about to poke on with uh, forever now, like I was literally on the television show and at lunch, the producer happened to be there. And this producer is amazing. Her name's Nikki Taub. And she, um, she's the one who invented the show, a baby story. Do you remember that? I do remember that. So that was on literally when I was going through the first world of time of child rearing myself. And we would obsessively watch it to figure out, you know, what's this like? And of course, reality TV there in the early 2000s was just, you know, coming off of the real world number 12 or something. Right. Like it wasn't, it was developed, but not, not much further. And she, I didn't know she did this. She told me at that lunch, I was like, well, you know, how long have you been doing this? And she told me this was season 15 or something of the show. I was like, oh my gosh, that's what a great job that you've been able to do it that long. And she goes, yeah, before that I did a baby story. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, you mean you're the OG of people watching the drama of their own lives. Right. And, uh, she said, yeah, there's just something compelling about it. And it's a, you know, you just keep feeding it because people are just interested and they're, and people are so interesting. You don't realize that the truth is stranger than fiction, you know? And, uh, during lunch, we were eating whatever sandwich we had or something as the cameras were off and we, you eat inside Kleinfeld. So I was there inside the room, like sitting on the floor next to her chair, which was one of the chairs that like moms sit in when their kids are putting on dresses. And she said, there's no ketchup. Is it like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Oops. Well, that was $35,000. Oh Lord. I didn't even think about that. I should have ordered French fries. Oh my gosh. I love French fries. Um, but she said to me, oh, you know, I, I, we've had the same song for a little while. You know, we're just really never really attached to the music on the show. And I was like, oh, hello. Uh, and I was like raising my hand, like that it's what I do. And at the time I had been really pushing hard to try to get a theme song. And my brother and I just narrowly missed a great one. We had uh, an opportunity to write a theme song for a new Disney animated um, show. It was going to be a, a series. Um, it was called uh, Wander Over Yonder. And it was by the same guy that did the Powerpuff Girls. And oh, my. So we thought that we were really like about to roll it. And they used it for the debut of it at Comic-Con. And we thought, oh my, they were talking about Brandon's going to have to move to LA because he's going to have to, you know, make three or four episodes a week and we need everyone living there and it's going to be, you know, six years worth of work. Right. And a, a theme song like that, that runs in those situations is literally a life-changing experience, right? So it would have gone from, we make music in Decatur to we now make music for this Disney show that runs 17 times a day in 200 countries Good and Lord. you know, you get 150 bucks every time it plays, you know, it would have just been money falling from the ceiling, but you had to do the work and it 
<laughs> it turned out to not. They 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 used a different composer. They used a different composer after the the debut of it. So we never got it. And this was, you know, months later. And she asked this and I said, oh, well, I, you know, I can write a song. And she goes, well, I'd love to put it in the episode that you're in. Because that would make sense. And I was like, she goes, you would really do that? I was like, yeah, it's what I do. And um, I went home and literally wrote it that next day. In like some ridiculously short period of time, if I remember correctly. Oh, I mean, I must have written it in less than that 30 minutes. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like it, by yourself, right? Alone <laughs> in my room in in like <laughs> logic on my that came with my Apple computer. Like it was that basic. But it the the story of what happens when you go into that room and you're picking out a, a dress um was something I had just literally been around for a good 10 or 12 hours. And I I started to to try to take myself back there. Like, what do you remember? What was it like? And what I remember is that it was just so hopeful. Yeah. Everyone in a, in a, in a wedding shop is so hopeful. And even the moms or the grandmoms or the, whoever's with them who are obviously not necessarily living under the, the fluffy, you know, mirage of weddings, means marriage means awesome all the time. Like these people know the, the the weight it takes to stay in a relationship. Like it, it takes fricking work. Right. Um, but when you're there picking out this dress, it's like, it seemed like some sort of weird culmination of like your indoctrination you've had your whole life as a, as a woman. And then as a mother, you're now doing it. And as a grandmother, maybe you're super proud as a friend, you're there for support. I'm going to tell you the truth when it looks like crap, you know, like all that stuff was going on. But what was really going on was this hope that there is a person. And at the time, it felt like the thing I wanted to make sure everyone knew is that the destination is not the wedding. That was my, that was the one thing I wanted to add to the conversation, right? That the de- destination is in every moment that you're in, like you, it, it should be, um, the thing that you're looking for is every moment, every now that you're in should be forever is what yeah. I was trying to say. And I was trying to bury it inside something that I knew was going to get cut because, <laughs> Typically in these theme songs, they only take like one little section of it. So you have to make it almost like Legos that fit together. <laughs> like uh-huh. verse one and verse two and verse three are all like, interchangeable and or deletable. <laughs> and I just knew that from my experience. So the song itself, you'll see restarts a number of times when you listen to it. And that's just because I knew they were going to turn it off. But what ended up happening was instead of them using it once, Nikki called or e- emailed me and said, would you mind if we use this as the theme song for the show? And I was a little nervous because it had been two weeks since I'd sent it to her and I thought maybe she didn't like it. Because oh. sometimes directors are just so busy, they don't have time to give you a no. 
<laughs> or anything. They just move yeah. on, right. you know, and you just, you can't take it personally. You know, heartbreak is something you do to yourself in that moment. Um, but she, uh, she sent me that and I will never forget it. I, I remember looking at my phone, like what, after all this struggle, the one you did quickly was the one they said yes to. And then I was like, well, this is really great. And then I didn't know who to tell <laughs> <laughs> because I had written it alone with right. no publisher. I had recorded it myself and so there was really no, and, and very, uh, trailer hitch had just been a hit on the radio and there was really the record company that had put out trailer hitch was now suddenly like going away and I had no home. So I was looking for a record deal and I got a record deal on BBR, which was now BMG at that time as a solo artist. And I even tried to give them this song. I said, Hey, I know you're signing me in January, but this is December right now. And I just wrote this song and got this placement. It might help pay back my advances and stuff. If you guys go ahead and absorb this song somehow, would right. you like to buy it from me? Would you like to whatever? And they said, um, they said they, no, thank you because I gave Nikki and the show, the song for free. I didn't want to get paid for it. Because I thought they might use it more often if they had to pay nothing to use it. Right. <laughs> and uh, it was just something that my friend Jeff Cohen had told me. And I, that's what I did. And they were like, oh, we don't give away songs for free. And this would be a terrible precedent. So why don't you keep it? So I did. Literally, the song is on the last, I don't know eight seasons of say yes to the dress <laughs> and in 150 countries. So when the say yes to the dress channel showed up over pandemic on my cable network, I was like, wait, what? We're going to Disney world. <laughs> and so I just sit there and I just been like chin scratch. And I even reached out to Nikki in the middle of the, uh, like June of the pandemic. And I'd gotten a check for say yes to the dress. Cause my check for everything else had gone to almost nothing. Because we weren't touring. Right. And I, I wrote her a very honest note. Like, I want you to know that what you did for me back then, whatever it was that inspired you to do that, has has saved my family right now. And you need to know this. And she was like, oh, my God. She had no idea. And I said, as a thank you, we're going to do a bunch of different versions for you. So if you, if you go online, you'll see all the different versions. There's like a, a string quartet version in case you want to walk down the aisle to it without me singing. There's like a, like Christian is in the band train version <laughs> of it. There's like a dance version. We had this incredible remix artist from Seattle do it like a, a big old dance remix of it because people everywhere who are fans of that show also can connect that with their wedding. And so somehow I'm stitched into a bunch of people's lives. I'll never meet. And it's all from like the upstairs of my little house in Candler park. I love it. It was just an accidental lunchtime conversation. Always eat lunch with the producer. Lessons to be learned. <laughs> Always give it away first. You know, if it comes back to you, it's yours. <laughs> wow. That sounds like something that you'd see on the wall. <laughs> But anyway, here's uh, here's me. Uh, which version should we play? Should we play the one that's on the television show, or what do you think? 
I think we should play the one that's on the television show. Okay. Well, here's the original version. The of original version. Forever Now. That's a big old party. That is a big old party. I wonder if uh, the record label is kicking themselves that they <laughs> didn't say, well, thank you very much. We'll just put that in the box. <laughs> I don't know. You know, the music business is really crazy, but that is definitely a, a lucky one from outside. Like I didn't see that one showing up. I think it's a meant to be thing. Maybe. 
It feels like it. Um, I know that when uh, I get um, fans, you know, on uh, on social media, will reach out, and because there are so many different entryways into discovering that I'm the guy that's in Billy Pilgrim, or I'm the guy that's in Sugarland, or I'm the guy that sings that theme song, um, people are are very earnest when they they don't accidentally find me. They seek you out. They have they have to have sought it out, and when they do, they you know uh, there's something usually they're reaching out to tell me, and um, the the people that reach out with this song are are definitely like, hey, this is really this was my song, or this was my my daughter's song in her wedding, or thank you so much for doing this. What a beautiful song, and um, it means that they fell in love with the song first. And then they had to figure out who the singer was, which is kind of the repetitive mantra of <laughs> my whole life. They're like, oh, oh, that's you. That's an interesting point. You you hide in plain sight. <laughs> that's why when I take my hat off, you do not know who I am. <laughs> it's like transformation. <laughs> Poof. Different guy. When you were writing that song in your room, you know, the, the production isn't particularly, you know, country production. Like how did you decide what kind of, what, what to put in there? Yeah. Honestly, it was what was in the computer. Like (laughs) for uh, real, (laughs) for real. Like, um, I, I try not to use like a genre boundary because I inevitably end up having the worst version of that genre. (laughs) <laughs> if I think about, oh, I would like to put like people do this all the time. They're like, man, let's make that pop song a country song. Let's put a banjo on it. That's true. Right. And the f- newsflash, the banjo does not make your song a country song. <laughs> it's a new PSA. <laughs> right. The thing that makes your song a country song is that it's telling a story. And it doesn't matter how you do it. Like I, I produced a um wonderful young artist named Caleb Lee Hutchinson. And I was um, working with him and we were picking songs for him because he was just learning to write. And I had a lot of friends who wrote great songs. I said, well, why don't we source some songs for you? See if any of these really attach you attach to. And he has this incredibly country voice, like complete throwback country voice for a 21 year old kid. I had him sing a post Malone song called better now. Mm-hmm. just in his regular voice, you do your thing. We will learn the chords and play it. And I want to do it in this manner as if it belongs on a Sturgill Simpson record, right? And not on a Post Malone record. And the reason that song works is because the song is a country song. The presentation was straight like commercial hip hop or, you know, like almost pop hop, if I would call it that. And then when Caleb did it, it was straight uh, you know, like retro country, but the song was compelling because it was a story. Right. So that's what makes a country song. So that song forever. Now I think at its core is a pop song. Yes. So, um, it it can, uh, accept pop anything and it, it will, it may sound not very complicated or it may sound simple. Um, but it will not sound inauthentic. Because at its core, it's pop song. And those are pop sounds. 
that are on it. So you'll never think anything else of it other than like, oh my gosh, listen to that song. It won't bother you. That's so funny. So if, if people are listening and they're like, wow, we really want to write a theme song, what advice would you give them? Oh, strap yourself in for a long ride. <laughs> <laughs> I would say um, learn every theme song you can. Go out, watch television, and listen to what it is. Listen to what they're putting in there. Listen to why they're putting it in. Um, I had six or seven tries that were near successes before I got even close. I, I had a uh, almost on political animals. I had an almost on, because there's so much television now, you have a lot of chances. Oh, yeah. Right? But a theme song is a totally different game. The advice I would give you is um, make it affordable. Because when you solve someone else's problem for them in the entertainment business, that is how you get business. So if you see something and you're like, wow, I, I bet that Randy Newman theme song for that is pretty expensive. Then you just need to give them an option that is less expensive and just as good. That's all. Just that's as all. good. Well, I mean, all they can tell you is no. And that's what it's already going to be before you even start. So if you didn't send it to them, you're already taking the no without a chance. So just reduce the chance. <laughs> Yeah, try. I mean, I'm a, I'm really still game to make some more theme songs now that I know better. So what did you learn? It's like you are listening to and consuming all of the theme songs you can and taking notes. What did you learn in that process? I learned that melody is a lot more important than you've ever thought. Well, sure. Right. If right now I started to sing to you a couple of theme songs from your favorite TV shows, you could sing the rest of it, right? Think about Three's Company. Oliver and Shirley, even Hill Street Blues. We were just in Miami driving around and at least once a car ride, my brother was in the backseat going, you know, and that's all he had to do was the drum fill. And we were like, we're in Miami Vice, you know, like, um, you're accompanying audio and don't think for a second that you are more important. I mean, you're, you are accompanying video and don't for a second think you are more important than, than that. The, the director is not thinking about how this song should fit with that. They just feel it. Many times they, they use, um, what, if you can get this information, it's fun, but, um, they use like fill-in music mm-hmm. to do their rough cuts to. And usually it's stuff they can't afford. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they've got like Hotel California is the intro to whatever. And then they're like, you're in there. The Eagles will never, never let you have that for the budget you have. So you got to have something that's a near, you know, like right. it's a sound alike. Um, I, I think that's a, a good thing to start getting used to is, is asking. But of the songs that I've had good placements with, most of it is because it got placed once the director remembers it or the editor remembers it and uses it again somewhere else. So I have this funny song called the bicycle song that has ended up on like five television shows. Really? Yeah. And it's literally a song about I ride my bike up and down the street. (laughs) You know, it's like silly (laughs) and it has this like whistle at the beginning of it, but it fits a thing. 
And then what I think is my best, like I, I have a song I think is the world's best commercial song. Like it, it goes with a commercial and no one has been able to place it ever. So I'm not sure that I know how to answer the question you're asking me because I've been getting it wrong until I stumbled into getting it right. Well, what makes it the world's best song for a commercial? You know what? I'm just going to play it for you right now. And that'll be the end of our podcast today. Good plan. I'm considering, well, I won't tell you, but here it okay. is. You ready? Yeah. It's called Naturally. All right. Naturally, we go together like A, B, and C. I'm with you and you are with me. Can't you see? Just let it be. Naturally. Naturally, we go together like a leaf on a tree. No one pitched that to Peter Pan. <laughs> Should we call them? It, it would work for peanut butter. It would work for um, you have a new electric car. Um, it would work for um, Hanson's soda. It would work for Zevia, which I consume by the caseload. It would work for just about any like a, an all natural liquor company. <laughs> tequila. <laughs> It could work for, you know, anything that, but, um, I've always thought, and I wrote that by myself sitting in a room, just, I think somebody actually sent me a brief saying, do you have anything for a natural cola, like a natural soda pop? And I was like, "Mm, yes, (laughs) which I didn't. One moment, please. I told them yes. And then I disappeared for an hour and I came back with that, but it's haunted me ever since. And now you'll whistle it. When you leave today, you'll be like, oh, damn it. Naturally, <laughs> we go together like one, two, and three. Oh, geez. It's terrible. It's like, oh. It goes together like macaroni and cheese. Uh, maybe that's what we need to do is sell it to the craft. Yes. My favorite line in that is it, uh, like a wing or a buzz on a bee. Yes, that was adorable. <laughs> All right. Well, Cindy, it's been great sitting around yes. talking with you again today. I promise better dad jokes as we go. I'm still waiting on the original. I'll surprise you. Don't you worry. Okay. Till next time. Very good. (laughs) Bye. Hey, everybody. Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. Please and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.